Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. The first reading this morning comes from the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. It is the beginning of that story in the birth of Moses. Let us listen that we may hear what God will share with us today. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, look, the Israelites are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them or they will increase and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built cities, Pithom and Ramses for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing task on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick, and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipra and the other Pua, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and you see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king summoned the midwives and said to them, why, do you, why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Th then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every single girl live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could not hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, and she plastered it with bitum and pitch, and she put the child in it and placed it in the reeds along the river. Her, his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to the bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds, and she sent her maid to bring it in. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying, and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh, to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse this child for you? 
And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. The word of the Lord. The gospel reading this morning comes from Matthew in the 16th chapter. Let us listen that we may hear what God will share with us. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Then Jesus sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The word of the Lord. The other day I heard an interview on the radio with Kim Scott. She uh, was, has been a CEO in various technology companies, and she has written a new book entitled Radical Candor, how to be an expletive-deleted boss without losing your humanity. She was on the radio show talking about her book and taking questions from different people. She noted that there are very often among bosses two poles where people are. Those bosses who are absolute jerks terrorizing those who report to them and those bosses who are so empathetic to their employees' needs that the mission of the organization or the unit gets lost and nothing is accomplished. And she was seeking a way to move between those two caricatures to something where you could have, uh, you could achieve results and still have encouragement and humanity. While she was talking and taking questions, a, a man called in. He was new in his job. He was in sales. He had never been in sales before. His boss was giving him all sorts of information and that he was having some difficulty processing and figuring out. And he asked, how can I, is it ever possible or how could I ever say to my supervisor, to my boss, maybe there's some things you're doing that aren't so helpful to me. And her, you could say that without getting fired. And she replied, that's a very good question. Her response was threefold. And it takes time, she said. First of all, you ask your boss, you ask the boss for feedback over what you are doing to critique. What is it that you're doing that's not so helpful? And whatever it is, you find some piece of it, maybe a little bit of it, maybe a lot of it, and you 
take it to heart and you make the changes that are suggested. The second thing is you offer your boss unsolicited praise. You compliment something that the boss has done that makes your job easier, that makes the work better, that makes the world a better place, whatever it is. And you give that feedback. And then finally, the time will come when you will ask the boss a simple question. May I give you some feedback? And if the boss says no, you move on. But if the boss says yes, you have a brief statement prepared, whatever it is, and you let it sit. Let the silence work. Silence has a way of drawing out, drawing us out when we need to speak. And it's quite possible, she says, probable even, that that will lead to a useful conversation with your boss. Timing. All of this revolves around timing. Timing is everything, as the saying goes. The Scripture lessons today are reminders that timing is everything. The story of the children of Israel getting to Egypt is told in Genesis 37 through 50. Joseph, one of Jacob's 12 sons, was put into a human trafficking ring and taken down to Egypt. And he was in the lowest of the low, and yet he found his way to work through that, that enslavement and to rise up into a position of authority. He became an advisor for the Pharaoh. He became the emergency management director for the king. And because of what he did, when there was a famine and when there were floods, the, the king and his kingdom were protected and there was food and supplies that they needed. Timing was everything for Joseph. The pharaohs, though, got to the point where they did not remember Joseph or what he did, or if they remembered him, they did not care. And they began to oppress the descendants of Joseph, the Hebrew people. They cared only for their present moment, and they sought ways to push down anyone who was not of their like and they oppressed. Timing was everything for the fate of the children of Israel. The Pharaohs sought to destroy the children of Israel by killing the male offspring. The Pharaoh, the king, told the midwives to be the executioners, but the two women that are mentioned in Scripture, Shipra and Puah, they feared God. They loved God. And they were not willing to do that. When the king pressed them on that, how was it that all of a sudden you're not there when male children are born? They said, well, you know, those Hebrew women are pretty remarkable. And they've had given birth before we can arrive. And I don't know what has happened. The wisdom that the midwives explained or, or displayed is that of many oppressed peoples who take their situation and work with it for their protection and benefit. Timing 
was everything for the birth of Moses. Moses was placed in a basket and floated on a river and watched over by his sister. Moses, when you think about it, the River Nile is, is a huge river, a large river. Taking a child, a newborn, and placing the child in a basket on a river, be it the Chattahoochee or any other river, is not something that would seem to be a place of safety, and yet it was. And he was watched over by one who could take care of him. And then out of that water, he was drawn by none other than the daughter of the king. He is saved. And he is given life and opportunity to know his people and to grow and yet to become part of that inner circle, inner ring. Timing was everything. The gospel reading also speaks to us about timing. Jesus had been traveling in what we would call today southern Lebanon, between Tyre and Sidon. And there he had been confronted by a woman who was a Gentile who needed Jesus to provide a healing for her daughter. At first, Jesus refused. I mean, simply refused. And she persisted. And she said, even dogs deserve crumbs from the table. And Jesus was touched. And he healed his daughter, healed that daughter. And he moved back then to his home territory, toward the Sea of Galilee, toward the, that region, to what we would today call the Golan Heights, where Caesarea Philippi is located, was located. And he takes stock of his ministry. What is it that I have done? Who is it that people think I am? He asked his disciples, and they gave him all the answers. Well, some people think you're a prophet. Some people think you're John the Baptist. But then Jesus drilled down because what he really was asking was, who do you say that I am? Who do you know me to be? Peter piped up and said, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the one that John the Baptist said, prepare the way of the Lord, the one that the prophet Isaiah said, make plain his road in the wilderness. And Jesus said, that's right. That is who I am. But don't tell anyone yet. Timing is everything. Reynolds Price was a Southern author, writer, and literature professor. He taught at Duke University. When he was 50 years old in the 1980s, he uh, was diagnosed as having spinal cancer. Because of his connection at Duke and the medical center that was available to him, he was able to achieve or to be, receive excellent medical care. And in fact, he was cured of his cancer. They removed it and it was gone from him. However, he was left as a paraplegic for the remainder of his life. Price did what any other author or many other authors would do when confronted with this disease and how it impacted his life. He wrote a memoir entitled A Whole New Life. He was devastated by his cancer and by the treatment. When family and friends and colleagues came 
meaning well, there was some sense of disconnect that he experienced. Price was known to be a solitary man, and he wrote this, the kindest thing anyone could have done for me once I finished five weeks of radiation, he wrote, would have been to look me square in the eye and said clearly, Reynolds Price is dead. Who will you be now? Who can you be and how can you get there double time? What he wanted to hear were these words, come back to life, whoever you'll be. Come back to life. Timing is everything. Price went on to reflect that when an era ends in our life, when a marriage dissolves, when a career is ruined, when a friend or a spouse dies or children move away, life is literally upended. He writes, with all the parts are strewn and some of the most urgent parts are lost for good. But he continues, if I were, to, if I were called on to value honestly my present life beside my past, the first 50 years against what happened afterwards, I'd have to say that despite an enjoyable 50 years start, these recent years, the years since what he termed the full catastrophe, have gone still better. They brought more in and sent more out, more love and care, more knowledge and patience. The, 50 year, the first 50 years were good, but the years afterwards were even better. Timing is everything. It may require a confrontation with mortality such as Reynolds Price had for us to appreciate those things. But that wisdom is not acquired simply when we confront mortality. It is also found in relationships and in friendships and in community. And it is found in faith, in faith in God as we trust in Christ. My conviction is that we drink all of this in long before we are ever aware of it. The past couple of weeks here at the church, have been full in, in many ways. In particular, there, there have been funerals here in this space for long-standing members of the church. That has taken its own toll. But in between, in between those funerals, there was a baptism. And a baptism is a sign of hope. The funerals were testimony to lives and the power of Christ in the world they were testimony to the power of resurrection, to the celebration for what is to come, but also they were testimony for the ways in which life can be lived now. And the baptism, the baptism was a, a spring of hope, a promise of new life that will continue despite any sort of other realities. Timing. Timing is everything. During this, this past week, I've revisited a reflection that my brother had given at the funeral of our father in 2013. 
And the sentence that he wrote caught me in a very unexpected way. My brother said, our father wanted us to understand that we are all God's children regardless of what brought us to where we are. We are all God's children regardless of what brought us to where we are. I had forgotten that sentence, but I know it's true. It brought to mind that a couple of weeks ago I had spoken of the way in which each person is made in God's image and that we are all still God's children. That sermon certainly was in response to the events in Charlottesville, but it was not formed simply by those current events. It was formed by having been taught by my father and by many other people, many other men and women in my family, in my church life, and in the world. Many other people had spoken those things to me and had taught me those things long before two weeks ago. Each of us, every person here, is a recipient of some form of teachings, of some form of blessing, of some form of life. The lessons are never completely finished. We must be open to learning them over and over, and we must be open also to sharing them in our own circle and in the larger world. As we do that, as we continue to be reminded of of the power of God's presence and love and goodness, as we continue to learn that again and again and again, and as we continue to share it, we shape the nature of the world that is to come. God in Christ came to us to experience and share human life. And as God in Christ did that, we are called to share that testimony and that witness and that power. There will be difficult times in life. There will be circumstances such as the children of Israel faced at the beginning of the story of Exodus, where the Pharaoh, the rulers, forget what had happened before. There will be times when we are confronted with people who are making demands on our lives that we do not think we can fulfill and we do not know how to fulfill, and yet we find our way forward. There are difficult times and difficult circumstances for all of us. There will be times we confront disease and our own mortality, as Reynolds Price did. Yet, Once we do that, once we move through that moment of time to the other side, we may find, if we trust through faith in God's goodness and grace, we may find more is sent out and more love and care come out and more knowledge and patience will out. Timing is everything. Love abounds. Grace grows. Hope is found.
may you find the things you need in this time. Amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.